Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. The spiritual dimension of slavery, of bondage, and of limitation. The spiritual dimension of things. And you see one interesting thing about our culture is this. Our culture always encourages us that when you have a problem, you should sit down and analyze it and try to find out where the problem is. Try to look at how to solve the problem. Try to explore all the various options that are available to you. But for some reason, our culture never encourages us to look at the spiritual dimension. And the funniest thing is that even in the church, you find out that we can talk about all sorts of things. People have problems, you tell them to go and see the doctor. They have an issue, you tell them to go and see a physical therapist. Tell them to go and see a physiotherapist. Tell them to go and see a shrink. They will give you all sorts of recommendations. But nobody tells you to go and do what? To go and look at the spiritual dimension of things. We have been preconditioned to overlook the spiritual things, to overlook the spiritual factor that affect things that, you know, that pertain to our life. And when an issue is going on in the life of a believer, the last thing the believer considers is the spiritual dimensions of the things that are affecting them or happening in their lives physically. As a result, many of us, especially in the church, have now become completely ignorant of the spiritual dimensions of things that pertain to our welfare. And the Bible tells us something very interesting in the book of Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. Reading from verse number 13, the Bible tells us. It says, therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Their honorable men are famished. Their multitude dry up with thirst. Therefore Sheol has enlarged itself, that is hell has enlarged itself, and opened its mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he who is jubilant shall descend into it. Basically, the Bible is trying to make us to understand that many are held down. Many are not making progress in life. Many are in captivity because they do not have the knowledge of spiritual things. There are things that the enemy is doing in their life that they are completely oblivious of. They have no idea what is happening in the spirit. Hell is now sucking up a lot of life. A lot of people are going into captivity just because they don't know what is going on in the spiritual realm. Satan is taking advantage of many believers because they are simply they are simply ignorant of his activity in their lives. And the Bible tells us that we should not be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. Which means that the enemy is busy doing some things, but if you are not aware of it, you will be taken captive. Hosea put it in a very, very stark fashion. If you read Hosea chapter 4, Hosea chapter 4, reading from verse number 6, the Bible tells us, it says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I also will reject you from being priests and from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the laws of your God, I also will forget your children. In other words, the Lord is telling us through Hosea that ignorance, number one, leads to destruction. Say, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In other words, you find out that the progress you are supposed to make, 
the blessings of God that you are supposed to attract, the things of God that you are supposed to enjoy, you will find out that you will lose those things if you are completely ignorant. If you don't know that these things are available unto you. Number two, Hosea is telling us that ignorance results from the rejection of knowledge. He said, my people are distressed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. In other words, when we are in a particular society that discounts everything that is spiritual, you will find out that the knowledge of the spiritual becomes scarce in the lives of people. And it's not because that knowledge is not available, it's because people have willingly rejected the knowledge of the Almighty God. So Hosea is saying, number one, ignorance leads to destruction. Number two, ignorance is a rejection of knowledge. Number three, Hosea is telling us that, Hosea is telling us that many, you know, that uh, ignorance hinders our relationship with the Almighty God. That when you are ignorant of the things that God requires, when you are ignorant of the things that God asks of you, when you are ignorant of how to walk with the Almighty God, it will hinder your relationship with the Almighty God. Not just with God, even with your fellow men. If you don't know how to walk with an individual at the place of war, what happens? It hinders your relationship. And then finally, Hosea said, ignorance has a generational impact. In other words, your ignorance does not only affect you, it affects not just you, but it affects your family, it affects your children, and if you don't take time, it will affect your children's children. If you are ignorant about the things of God, if you are ignorant about the things that will move you forward, he said ignorance has a generational impact. And that's what he said, he said, because you have forgotten the laws of your God, I will also forget your children. Not just you. So if you don't know things about God, it's not only going to stop with you, it's going to impact your children. So ignorance has a generational impact. Now we have been told that ignorance is bliss. So what you don't know won't hurt you. I beg to disagree. What you don't know will hurt you. And if you don't take time, what you don't know will kill you. Yes. If you don't take time. Ignorance is not a bliss. So you see, many of the issues we are facing today can be traced to our ignorance. The ignorance of us, you know, our spiritual issue. And the impact of a man's ignorance is directly related to the level and the depth of the things that he's ignorant of. In other words, the impact of your ignorance, on your, the impact that ignorance will have on your life will depend on what you don't know. The areas of your life that will be affected by your ignorance depend on what you don't know about that area of your life. Say, for example, if you don't know much about money management, you may still be healthy. You may still have a good relationship with your family. You may still be a good worker at work, but you will be broke if you don't know how to manage money. If you are ignorant about money management, you will still be broke. You may be a nice guy. Everybody might like you, but you are still broke. You might not, if you, if you are ignorant about relational issues, if you are really ignorant about ways to communicate with other people, you might be financially okay. You might be a kind of person that is, that is healthy, that have a good physique, but you will end up being alone because you don't know how to talk to people or you don't know how to relate with people. So ignorance in a particular area of your life is what is going to bring you down in that area. That is why the impact of your ignorance will, the impact that ignorance will have on your life depends on what you don't know. Now, one area of your life where ignorance is extremely costly and dangerous is your spiritual life. Your ignorance about physical things, the impact might be related, might only be, you know, limited to those physical areas. 
Ignorance about money can be limited. The impact of that ignorance can be limited to money. But when you are ignorant about spiritual things, it has effect on every aspect of your life. It touches every area of your life. One of the areas of your life where ignorance is extremely costly and dangerous is your spiritual life. And interestingly, that is the area that our culture tells you is not important. That is the area where you are telling people to talk about things that, you know, how they want to develop. That's the area that everybody neglects. They consider it to be something that is belong to, you know, all those, uh, all those wacky Christians. They do not even entertain a discussion on the things that are spiritual. Many consider the things, you know, many consider the discussion on spiritual things to be too, too, be, to be beneath their sophisticated mind. They believe that they are too, they are too advanced. They are too, they are too enlightened. They are too progressive to think about the things of the spirit. And they have convinced, and they are convinced that only the things that are measurable, only the things that are empirically verifiable, those are the only things that is important. But I've always tried to find out, for those of us who go into the healthcare system, do you know of any machine that can detect lie? Do you know any machine that can detect adultery? Do you know any machine? So, does that mean that those things don't exist? <coughs> if people are arguing that those things, you know, only the things that are, can be verified, only those are the only things that are real, then those things, you know, when you talk about people loving somebody, how do, where do they, how, what kind of machine detect that in your heart? That there's a place where you're, I mean, you, there are certain things that you cannot detect, but you have been made to believe that the things that are spiritual are not important. But the Bible tells us, in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 4, Second Corinthians chapter 4, reading from verse number 18. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Sorry, while we look at things, while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? They are temporal. That means they are temporary. But the things which are not seen are what? They are eternal. So what you are saying, what the Bible is trying to tell us that what you are looking at right now is just temporary. It's going to pass away. But the things that you are not seeing, that is the real thing. I remember when I was growing up, I was always told that make sure you hear what that person is not saying. Because that is the real conversation. It's not what that person is telling you. It's what they are not saying. That is the real conversation. The things that are not seen, they are eternal. In other words, spiritual things are more real than physical things. If you read the book of Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews 11 reading from verse number 3, the Bible tells us, it says, by faith we understand that the world were formed by the word of God, so that the things which are not seen are made by the things which are visible. In other words, the things which are seen are were not made by things which are visible. In other words, the Lord is saying that uh, what you see right now, they are a product of the things that you do not see. So, I give you an example, and I've used this example before. This microphone that you are looking at right now, this microphone, before it came to be, it was an idea in the mind of somebody. You can't see that idea, but it was there. That person formulated those ideas, designed it in his mind, before it became what you are seeing right now. The things that are seen are created from the things that are not seen. What is happening right now in your life, sometimes is as a result of the things that you cannot see. In other words, spiritual things are more real than physical things. Now, why am I telling you all this? Number one, I'm telling you all this because there is a physical world and there is a spiritual world. The reality of the spiritual is real. You don't have to agree with me, but that is the truth. There is a spiritual world and it is real. There is a physical world and there is a spiritual world. Number two, the, the, the spiritual world impacts the physical world that you are living in right now. 
Whatever happens in the spiritual world affects you physically. I don't know if it has ever happened to you, but there are times when you dream a dream and you see that particular dream in the reality. You probably dream of probably you are somebody, something hits you or somebody's happening, and then you begin to see the manifestation in the physical. What happens in the spirits manifests in the physical. Number three, some of the issues that we face in life has spiritual undertone. Spiritual roots to physical problems. There are some of them. I am not saying that every problem in life has is, is as a result of spiritual issue. That's not what I'm saying. Okay? You misbehave. You spend your money anyhow. That is your problem. Don't blame the devil. Okay? I've always joked about it that when we, eventually when we get to heaven and we start talking and God say, why did you do this? Say the devil, the devil say, uh, 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 uh. this one you did it by yourself. I have no, I have no hand in this one. This is your own fault. So the point I'm making is that not every issue has a spiritual dimension, but there are issues that have spiritual dimension. And you can say, how can that be? That's why we read in the book of Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, the Bible tells us the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was ministering in the temple. He said there was a woman that came into that temple. The Bible says she was bent over. And let's pick up the story from verse number 10. Luke chapter 13, verse from verse number 10. And it was teaching in one of the synagogues on the, on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit, spirit of infirmity 18 years. And was bowed together and could no wise lift up, lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed of thy infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And then the rulers of the synagogue answered with uh, indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and they said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to walk. In them, they are, in, in them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, thou hypocrite, do not each of, do not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the store and lead them away to watering. And ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound, lo, these 18 years, be loose from this bound on the Sabbath day. Now, I want you to look at, from this verse of scripture, you will see there's a woman, the Bible say, bound, bowed down. She couldn't stand straight. She was something like this. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ saw her, called her to himself, and healed her. Okay? Now, I want you to actually notice where I'm going. What is interesting to me is in verse number 16. The Bible say, ought not this woman... Being a daughter of Zion, a daughter of uh, of uh, Abraham, whom Satan had bound these eighteen years. In other words, this particular woman that the whole world saw that she was like this for eighteen years, they know that she cannot stand. They know she has a problem. They know that standing straight was a difficulty, but they could not. But they did not even know why she was bent over. But when Jesus Christ saw this woman, Jesus knew that this was a spiritual issue. The Bible says that Jesus Christ knew the reason why the woman was having difficulty standing up. It was because the devil and his agent has tied down this woman. People can see that the woman cannot stand up. But Jesus knew the reason why she could not stand up. Because in her spirit, she has been tied up. And Jesus now said, can you know, lose that particular bond. The point I'm trying to make here is that though the people around her could not see the chains, does that mean that the chain does not exist? It was there. The fact that they did not even identify who was responsible for that chain, does that mean that the chain was not there? The chain was there. 
The fact that you call it by a different name, you give it a sophisticated name, you take it to whatever clinic or whatever Mayo clinic you want to take it to, does that mean that the devil was not, was not in operation? It was there. The Bible says that this particular woman was chained for 18 years and it took a man with the eye, with the ability to see into the spirit to see the root of that problem. Everybody knew she was bound, but nobody knew why or you know, what was responsible for, their, for her inability to stand straight. That's why the Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 68. In Psalm 68, reading from verse number 6, the Bible says, He sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound with chains. In other words, the existence of people who are bound in chains is real in Scripture. It's not something that is imagined. It's actually very, very, very real. And the Bible said about the rebellious, they live in dry land. The people who discount the spirit, the people who do not understand what is going on in the spirit, the Bible said that they live in dry land. But he brings out those who are bound with chains. So you can see from the scripture that a person can be bound in the spirits. Some issues that we face in life have spiritual undertone. And so the question that we want to deal with this morning is, what is this thing called spiritual bondage? I took the time to go through all that just to be able to set the state for you. What is this thing called spiritual bondage? Spiritual bondage is a state of being under control or influence of a force. There is something operating in your life. There is something holding you back. There is something tying you down that you cannot explain. Spiritual bondage is the state of someone being in captivity or in slavery. It is a state of being subjugated. A state of being oppressed. A state of being restricted. A state of being limited. A state of operating under a cause. It is a state where you know that something is wrong, but you can't identify it. There are some of people who just know anywhere they go, they have a feeling that there is a personality watching over them. There are people who when they sleep and they they'll just find that something is pressing them down, trying to choke them. Okay? So you find that there is a lot of spiritual bondage going on and that is what it is. And you please understand, spiritual bondage don't just happen. The oppression of the enemy don't just happen. The enemy operating the life of an individual does not just happen. There is always a reason for the doors of spiritual bondage to be opened and to be operational in the life of an individual. The question is, what is responsible for spiritual bondage? What it is? What causes a man to be in bondage spiritually? Look at Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26. Reading from verse number 2. The Bible tells us, it says, as the bird by wandering, as the swallow by flying, so the cause costless shall not come. In other words, behind every bondage, Behind every operation of the enemy, there is always a reason behind it. If the enemy is operational in your life, if he's being busy in a particular department of your life, there is a reason. There is something going on. Behind every bondage, there is a reason. That's what the Bible is telling us. And the question is, what are the reasons for spiritual bondage? What are the things that we do? What are the things that are in operation? What are the things that are in existence that allows the enemy to be able to have access and do as he pleases in the life of an individual? The first thing that opens the door for spiritual, for spiritual bondage is the violation of the laws of God. Yeah. The Bible tells in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 10, reading from verse number 8, it says, He that digs a, pill, a, a pit shall fall into it. Whosoever breaks the hedge, a serpent will bite. Yeah. In other words, when you cross the lane, you open yourself to the exposure of the enemy. 
When you begin to do the things that you are not supposed to do, you expose yourself to the attack of the enemy. When you position yourself in a place that God has not positioned you, when you stray out of the place that God has placed you, you will find that, that you open yourself for the enemy to attack. That's the first area. That's the first source. When you violate the laws of God. Number two, when you violate... When you are involved in moral and ethical sins, the Bible tells in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 27, if you read that whole verse, specifically from verse number 15, he said, don't cause the blind to go astray. Do not do this. Do not do that. Do not do that. He said, if you do all this, the curse of the Almighty God will be upon you. He said, cause be he that perverted the judgment of strangers, fatherless, and the widow. In other words, when you are cheating people, you bring a curse upon your head. When you think you are smart, Something costs a dollar, you say it's $20 because that person doesn't know. And you take advantage of that person's ignorance. The Bible is not opposed to profit. It's only opposed to what? Opposed to gouging. So when you are involved in, in, in moral and ethical sins, you open the door for the devourer. You open the door for spiritual bondage. Number three, when you are involved, you know, when you are involved, when you are involved with unclean and unholy things. The Bible tells in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, reading from verse number 7, it says, We have come out from among them. And be separate, says the Lord. Touch not unclean things, and I will receive you. In other words, if you touch those unclean things, the Lord will take his hands away. And when the Lord takes his hands away, what happens? It's, it's, it's an open season for the enemy. So, spiritual bondage comes when you are involved with unclean and unholy things. Spiritual, spiritual bondage comes when you violate the territory of the enemy. The enemy has a territory. You have, God has a territory. If you violate his territory, he has a right to be able to slap you around. What is a child of God going to do at the disco at 3 a.m. in the morning when normal people are sleeping? If you get there and they start shooting, pow, 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 and it touches you, you have nobody to blame but yourself. The point you are making is when you violate territory, when you violate spiritual territories, you open yourself up to spiritual bondage. And when you perform demonic rituals, or you are involved in demonic rituals. There are so many foolish things that Christians do that they don't understand. Somebody opens and says, hey, bring your hammer, I'm going to read your future. You are opening the door for the enemy to be able to come in. Somebody says, oh, you are born in June, so you must be a Gemini. You are opening your door, or you are opening yourself up to a lot of interesting things. There is a reason why God says you should not come, why the, why the Lord Almighty says that you should not be involved in all those fortune telling. There's a reason why God tells you that. So a person who is perform- who is involved in the performance of, of demonic rituals open themselves up for spiritual bondage. And then finally, when you worship false gods, yeah. when you worship false gods, you open yourself up to spiritual bondage. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus chapter 20, if you start reading from verse number 1, it said, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make thyself any graven image. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, is a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children, upon the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. So when you are worshipping false God, you open yourself up to the attack of the enemy. Now... We know what spiritual, we know the reason for spiritual, uh, for spiritual bondage. We know the source of spiritual bondage. The question that I want to ask you down is that where does spiritual bondage come from? Where does it come from? Many of us believe it's only from the devil. No. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse number three, it says, I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse him. Okay. 
I will bless them that bless thee, cause him that cause thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Which means spiritual bondage, causes, can also emanate from the Almighty God. Yeah. You are misbehaving, he will begin to deal with you. His intention is not to destroy you, but to be able to bring you life. But causes can originate from God himself. Causes can originate from men on behalf of God. Those who, people who want to destroy the work of God, you can place a curse upon them. That's what happened in the book of Joshua chapter 6. Joshua 6, reading from verse 26, the Bible says, Joshua adjured them at the time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord, that raiseth above the, that raiseth and built this city, this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation upon his firstborn, and his young son shall he set the gate. And this happened in the book of Kings. When somebody tried to build the wall of Jericho back up again, he started with his first turn and ended with his last turn. The curse was in operation. So a person can give, a man can pronounce, can release a curse on behalf of the Almighty God. A person with relational authority can release a curse upon you. In other words, you are under the authority of somebody and you treat that person bad or you do something to violate the trust of that person. He can make a pronouncement into that person's life and cause, you know, and read and open, you know, and open the door for the enemy to be able to, you know, to persecute that person. This is what happened to Rachel. When they were traveling, he and she and her family, they were leaving the house of his father, Laban. The Bible says that Rachel took one of the idols and Laban started pursuing. And as he pursued, got to Jacob. Jacob being the authority over that house says, if anybody, if you find the idol with anybody, let that person die. And that's what happened to Rachel. Rachel did not make it to the other side. So you can attract causes and you can attract spiritual bondage upon your life through a person that has relational authority. You can attract you can attract spiritual bondage upon yourself through self-imposition. When you bring it upon yourself. That's what happened to Re- that's what happened to, to this, uh, to Rebecca when she was, when he was trying to walk, uh, walk a deal out for, J- for Jacob. Jacob said, this is what I'm about to do. It's going to attract the anger of the, over- anger of my father. J- uh, Rachel said, don't worry. And his mother said unto him, upon me be thy cause, my son. Only obey my voice and go and fetch them. In other words, go and to go and fool your father. If he if he causes you, let it come upon me. And the children of Israel did exactly the same thing when they were trained when they were about to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that uh, hey, you, you, you that should I release Barnabas? Should I release Barnabas or Jesus? He said, crucify Jesus Christ. He said, What are you saying? Let his blood come upon us and our children. Okay? So you can causes and bondages can be self-imposed. Not only that, spouses, uh, causes and bondages can be satanically influenced. The Bible says that bless them that cause, you know, bless them which persecute you. It said, do not cause. In other words, because if you read that verse of the scripture continuously, the Bible says when you do that, you heap a coal of fire upon their head. In other words, you open the door for the enemy to torment them. So satanic, you know, bondages can come as a result of satanic influence. Bondages can also come as a result of your inheritance. Leviticus chapter 26. Reading from verse number 38, the Bible says, And they that are left of you shall pine away in the iniquities of your enemies. In the iniquity, uh, shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' land. And also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away. In other words, they shall waste away in the iniquities of their fathers. Which means what your father have done have a way of affecting your life. Remember what we said earlier on, that ignorance has a generational impact. Huh? You do some things in the house of God, you think you are the only one who's going to be affected, you will end up, if you don't take time, it might end up affecting your family and your children. So, spiritual bondage also comes as a result of inheritance. Now that we have seen that particular, now that we have seen this, the sources of spiritual bondage, the question is what, how do they manifest? 
How do spiritual bondage manifest in the life of an individual? Number one, it manifests in physical illness, which is characterized by repeated chronic sickness. You find out that there is a particular time of the year when you go through a particular problem. A particular time of the year when an issue comes up. Or you look at the life of an individual, they keep having the same surgery over and over and over to correct the same thing over and over. That is the operation of hell operating in that life. Number two, the manifestation of spiritual bondage can show itself in mental and emotional breakdown. And is characterized by confusion and depression. Look at the cases of depression right now. Is it not in the same country that we are all living 20 years ago, 30 years ago, why is it that now, with all the abundance and all the, and all the comfort that technology offers, a lot of people are still depressed? It is the work of the enemy. Not only that, it results, it also manifests in unfruitfulness. Unfruitfulness in marriage, unfruitfulness in the work of hand, unfruitfulness in their career, unfruitfulness in all that they lay their hands upon, barrenness in their activity. Not just in the area of children, but in the area, in the work of their hand. They are barren. They remain unfruitful. That is the work of the enemy. That is how spiritual bondage also operates. Spiritual also operates. Spiritual bondage also manifests in the area of destructive behavior. There are things that you know are not good for you, but you keep doing them. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.